So it's Talk Tuesday on Yoga Save My Life. It's a new feature where we are blessed with a visit from a yogi whose life was saved by yoga. Enjoy. Welcome to Talk Tuesday of Yoga Save Me podcast. I'm thrilled to finally have a conversation with Lisa George Swan. She is a woman in Stockholm that I have admired for years. And I joke there, maybe we're cousins because we have the same maiden name. But <laughs> I want to welcome you so much to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, my pleasure. Now, I said I admire you for lots of reasons. One of them is your advocacy and work that you do as a nurse um, in Sweden. Can you talk briefly about that? Because I know you um, are also a Medi Yoga certified teacher. So I don't know if there's a relationship with your nursing, but tell us about mm -hmm. that part of your life. Yeah, the yoga kind of grew into nursing unexpectedly. Um, but I am a nurse. Um, I'm an infectious disease nurse specialist um, and um, started my work working with um, folks living with HIV and um, mm. different chronic infections. And most recently, in the last four and a half years, I've moved over to primary care um, and have a nurse-led infectious disease clinic um, where I see my own patients. And of course, in the midst of the COVID-19 um, pandemic, led that work um, because the community where I work in Ringtebi in um, Western Stockholm, um, we were hit hard by COVID-19 for a lot of different reasons. So um, that's where I am and work in a predominantly migrant community, which I love. It's very global, um, a very warm and welcoming community. So I feel very privileged to be working in Rinkaby. And um, But something that I noted um, was there, we had a lot of patients in a lot of pain, um, both physically and emotionally. Um, and what we could offer them was very limited, you know, in terms of medicine. Um, we offer them pain medication. We offer them uh, maybe psychological help. Um, but that that really didn't, um, it wasn't enough. And I it think that's enough. what brought me, that's what brought me to yoga and how can I bring yoga into this part of like rehabilitation and healing. Um, and yoga isn't something that's necessarily available in all communities. Um, unfortunately, in the West, it's become, you know, pretty um, inaccessible in terms of becoming expensive, only available um, maybe in certain communities that have more wealth. And so that's what drove me to become a Medi Yoga instructor, to try to bring yoga um, to this community and make it more available. Oh, fantastic. So see, I know why I, I admire you so much. So wait a second. <laughs> oh, that's so kind. No, but it's true. So wait a second. Well, is it fair to say that Rinkaby or um, uh, immigrant communities um, I don't want to just point out Sweden, but um, maybe mm. in Europe or even in the U.S. Are, are are underserved when it comes to specialized care, because you say that um, you 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 do specialized care, infectious. Say that again. Yeah. So in infectious diseases, and I guess that in um, traditionally there haven't been infectious disease um, specialists in primary care. So that's something new um, and having like advanced nursing practice in that way in um, nursing care. But I think especially in primary care, not having um, like more of a holistic way of looking at health, um, which 
I think has become more and more acceptable, both in Sweden and the U.S., of like thinking preventatively, proactively, um, and using our different um, ways of knowing to um, to treat trauma, to treat pain. Oh yeah, and that's why and that's why I can see why the, the meta yoga made sense to you because it's definitely good for trauma and pain. And mm. just to, just I want to know how you do. Okay, we, COVID is still with us. But you were really busy during the height. How were you? Do how did that mentally affect you? Um, mm. Frontline, you know, on the fight against COVID. Yeah, I don't even think, to be honest, I had time to reflect on it until after it was over. You know, because you're just in this um, in a state of emergency, um, and we just had so many cases really early on of patients getting um, extremely sick um, and needing hospitalization and. Um, in Rinke, you know, and early on, we just didn't know so much, um, neither in Sweden or globally. And so yeah. we're accessible in the center of Rinkeby, right in the community. Um, we started standing outside, we had a tent. And so patients would just start coming to us versus the emergency room or versus, you know, oh. calling. There's a, you know, a national call center, um, 1177 in Sweden. And it was really hard to get through because so many people had questions. So you had to wait for hours to... Um, get any kind of like telephone advice. So people would just come. And um, I really appreciated that they did, you know, as soon as they were feeling badly, or if they had questions or had questions about a family member. Um, so we tried to make ourselves visible and available to the community. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Because that is part of the problem. Sometimes people can't get help, they can't get answers. Right. They don't know where to go, but if you're visible out there saying, we're here for you, mm -hmm. they came. Oh, fantastic. And how long did you, were you out there? Like, okay, COVID is still with us, but we're not on crisis level, right? Right. Mm -hmm. so right. So we were seeing... out there, we were out there, I would say, during the first and second wave. Um and then, you know, towards the beginning of the third wave, we started vaccinating. So we kind of like shifted gears and worked on vaccinating, being out in the community in that way about um, talking about the vaccine, trying to answer people's questions um, because there was a lot of, um, yeah, there were a lot of questions about this new vaccine and understandably so. So um, we kind of shifted gears then. And it was interesting because Rinkeby was hit really hard in the first wave, um, a lot less so in the second wave, but very disproportionately in the first wave. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we kind of shifted gears, but we're, we're still outside um, during the first and second wave. So I would say, you know, for the majority of 2020. Okay. Um, and then we then shifting into um, vaccines and preventable work. So were, did, were you um, doing vaccines yourself? Did people come to you for vaccines? Yes, were exactly. You? Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to say you're licensed for vaccines or whatever, but um, I know that it was hard to, the supply wasn't, you know. Yeah, it was tough and, in the beginning yeah. and prioritizing and who should have, um, you know, who should be vaccinated. And uh, so that that was tough. Um, and making sure that we could reach the people we wanted to reach, you know, like my focus has been, um, and I think everyone who I work with as well, our focus is how do we reach the people who are at most risk, you know, who are most risk at getting severe disease. We want to protect those folks. Um, and how do we make sure we reach them? So yeah, that's, um, that's your mission. That's your what, your what, your what, and, you know, 
Yeah. Like they, that's my know why. Your why. Yeah, that's your why. Thank you. I was going to say, know your why. <laughs> and that's what you did. Okay. So thanks for giving the background on that because I so admire you for that. I know that's stressful work, but it's absolutely crucial work. So you're doing mm. infectious disease as a primary care nurse. Is And you, I don't want to say it's private practice, but you, you said it's, you have your own thing. You're not at the board controlling. Yeah, so the... I am at Board Central, okay. um, but I have um, it, which is kind of unique for um, Stockholm. But I have my own, um, like I have a nurse-led clinic at the primary care practice. So I see my own patients. I see um, both kids and adults with different um, infectious diseases, and I also have um, a sexually transmitted infection clinic. So people, folks, can come and test themselves, um, age eighteen and up. Um, and I follow up with them. And I also offer rapid testing for HIV, which I think we are probably the first um, primary care clinic um, in Stockholm that offers that. Because otherwise, you usually need to go to an STI-specific clinic for testing. Yeah, so just to make it community-based, I mean, all of our, our research shows us that... Um, you know, the best way to get folks tested is to have community-based testing um, to make it accessible, to kind of take away the stigma so you don't feel like you need to walk into an STI I was just going to ask you, how do you take away the stigma? How do you get people right. respect Right, and then, and... you know, you're kind of anonymous when you come to a board central, a primary clinic. You could be there for anything, you know, so you're not um, kind of outed in that way um, when you yeah, come it's for like, Yeah, it's like you don't want to be in the elevator and get off on the floor where it's all the mental health care or whatever. Right, so, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That we try to offer all of our service as much as we can, you know, in the capacity that we have. But um, so I think that's been um, really exciting too, to be able to offer that to the community. Wow, well, if I didn't love you and you enough before, I totally, girl crush, girl crush now. <laughs> Thank um, you. How long are your days? Um, how many days a week? Because nurses, I feel like, are the most underrated, hardworking people in healthcare. Yeah, I'm. I'm very, very lucky since I work in primary care. I used to work in infectious diseases in the hospital, and that was just a completely different um, schedule. Um, so I feel like my days are um, maybe harder in a different way because I know my patients and. Um, the work is intense um, because there's a lot of needs in the community and a lot of unmet needs in the community. And you feel like you don't have enough um, to be able to meet those needs. But I work Monday through Friday um, and okay. usually either eight to four thirty or eight to five. So I feel very grateful. My evenings and weekends um, are, are free. Oh, fantastic. Because you're not just a nurse, you're a mother, you're a wife, you know, you're a whole person. Correct. Aunt, yeah. You know, you've got personal interests. I know you love to read. Um, so you, so that's good. So you can feel um, totally balanced and not hopefully burn out or. Yes. Yes. I feel very, very grateful. Oh, and the community is grateful for that too. Um, so tell me about Medi Yoga and how you made uh, the connection that this is going to be good for your community. Yeah, so it started, I guess, um, maybe out of a place of frustration. Um, you know, a lot of patients like talking about their pain and seeing that they were on, you know, a million different medications, a lot of them, you know, like very strong, very addictive medications um, that have a lot of side effects, you know, that maybe make you feel checked out or not emotionally available to your friends and family, um, you know, and kind of debilitating to be on all of these medications um, as well. 
um, like not being able to participate in society in the way that you'd want to or normally would have been able to. Um, and seeing that, you know, there is Medi Yoga available, but traditionally through like a physical therapist office or through like a rehabilitation office. So you'd have to go somewhere else um, in Sweden. And so I started to explore that a little bit. I was like, oh, there is this Medi Yoga um, that is very established in Sweden um, and is very accepted in healthcare as um, a part of rehabilitation, but I just couldn't find it anywhere in primary care. Um, and I'm really lucky to have a wonderful boss who's um, forward thinking and open to new ideas. And I approached this with her and she's like, yes, let's send you to an instructor course and see how we can implement this at our community healthcare center. So that's kind of how it started. Um, but I ruminated on it a lot. I was just feeling frustrated that I couldn't yeah. help these patients that, um, you know, all you can do is kind of listen. You help them with your prescriptions. You get them in touch with the psychologists that we're lucky to have. Um, but it's uh, there was a missing piece there. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Now you have to go back. Okay. First of all, I love your boss. She paid for your training. <laughs> yes, so, yes, or yes, they paid for too. your training. Okay. Shout out to Lisa's boss. Bosses around the world, take note. Um, tell me what is Medi Yoga? I'm a certified yoga teacher with specializations in Yin Yoga, Yoga Nidra, Yoga for Grief, mm -hmm. Drama Form Yoga. You know, Yoga for Depression. Um, different, and, and I did it all out of selfish reasons. Okay, I did my, you know, I, I was. When we lost daddy, when we mm. lost our king at 95, um, mm. age 95, which is a wonderful age to die. And he was at home surrounded by family. It was still devastating. Yeah, of course. So, it's your father. Yeah, I, it's your father, right? So I threw myself into yoga. Mm. For the second time, I had did it first. I can talk about that another time for a trauma-related, a physical trauma-related uh, incident. And my back was just, oh. Mm. This time, it was emotional trauma. And, mm -hmm. you know, I like to say yoga took me back like a lover, you know, with open arms <laughs> instead, you know, come back to me. And I ended up, who knew daddy gave me this gift to become a mm -hmm. certified yoga teacher. And then mm -hmm. I handpicked all the other specialties based on my needs, my self selfish needs and how I can help others in the same situation. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know anything about meta yoga. I didn't hear medi, it might even say medi yoga. I didn't learn any, um, I didn't know that Medi Yoga existed and that that was a thing, um, but I'm not in the medical profession. So is it for medical professionals? Tell me all about Medi Yoga. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, may, I might not be an expert in um, being able to um, give all of the details, but medical yoga, Medi Yoga is a therapeutic um, and medical yoga form that is, I guess, certified in Sweden to be used in healthcare practice. Um, so it's been both like evidence-based, but also deemed to be safe to use in medical practice. So um, right now, I think there's over 300 different clinics um, in Sweden that use Medi Yoga as part of their rehab. I know that here in Stockholm, um, one of the hospitals use it in their cardiac rehab for heart patients um, who've had, um, yeah, heart attacks, different heart problems, that that's part of the rehabilitation. Um, there's lots of Swedish-based research about medi-yoga, um, the effect on blood pressure, on insomnia, on stress, um, anxiety as well. So 
I think that's what Medi Yoga is, is that it distinguishes itself a little bit. But I would say that it's a combination of all of those um, yoga practices that you mentioned, that if you start doing Medi Yoga, you'll feel very familiar with yoga nidra, um, yoga for depression, trauma-based mm -hmm. yoga, um, that it's, it's supposed to be very accessible, um, no matter how... Um, unhealthy or sick you might be feeling exactly. um, this is not this isn't a, a physical yoga in the sense that it requires any kind of strength you know or any kind of like condition but you, it's right. done completely seated um so what can, i know about do... yoga oh fantastic completely seated okay yes mm -hmm. that i didn't know okay because i'm getting trained in adaptive yoga as well um mm. because um uh which um and also in my mindful resistance trauma recovery training that I took a veterans yoga project, we work with people that have um, traumatic brain injury, people that mm. have lost limbs. Um, and what I've been taught is that to do yoga, you just have to breathe. You know, yes. you just have to, well, two things you have to show up, right? And then mm -hmm. you have to breathe. So, you know, it's not about twisting into a pretzel. It's not about right. standing on your head. Um, it's, it should be and was always supposed to be accessible for everyone. Mm -hmm. And Medi Yoga, I know, is does exist outside of Sweden, um, which is good to know because mm -hmm. it should be everywhere. But I just know that because I think I did a little bit of practice after you said you were doing, uh, not practice, research, after you said you were doing Medi Yoga. And um, some places you have to be a medical professional, some places you don't. And I don't know, you know, I haven't pursued it further. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do know that there's some, lots of research uh, with yoga and how it helps PTSD and as mm -hmm. you say, blood pressure and heart patients and things like that. So it's thrilling to me to know that maybe, you know, in my hospital, in the cardiac unit, that I could get prescribed Medi Yoga, like they would mm -hmm. prescribe me some pills or something. Right. Yeah, be... exactly. Or like, you know, or it's a, a combination of both of those things, you mm -hmm. know, so that um, just to maximize your outcomes in terms of becoming healthy again. Um, but I think I have, that that's what I appreciated the most was that I had done lots of different yoga before Medi Yoga and kind of like more physical yoga, like Ashtanga and Hatha Yoga. Um, and it was a little bit, it's, it's hard to get on the mat and just breathe, right? I think that's the hardest type of yoga in some or sense. Or to be still. Um, if yeah, you've ever exactly. tried yoga major for the first time, to be still, that can drive people bananas. I mean, yeah. if you think about that, and it's a lot of reasons. It could be trauma, but it mm -hmm. also could be our society. If you're not doing anything, if you're not active, you know, mm -hmm. you're wasting your time or you're worthless. Right. Could, exactly. Be that, still. Yeah. Yeah. So if I can back the band a little bit, um, just like what you absolutely. talked about, the breathing and the stillness and how hard that can be, I think when there is trauma or when there is loss, um, staying busy is a way that we try to manage, you know, all of that anxiety and all of that fear that comes with losing someone we love so much. And um, I, I know that I definitely felt that when um, our daughter died in 2005 and uh, she oh. was seven months old and- um, Oh my heart. And, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and we went- to a grief retreat in uh, Arizona. Um, no, I'm sorry, New Mexico. And um, so they recommended going to this, uh, just doing a breathwork class. I'd never heard of that before. 
And that's when I realized that I hadn't been breathing for months, you know, that I'd just been taking like shallow breaths, like that I'd been holding my breath. Um, And it was hard. Like I cried through the whole one hour, you know, just tears streaming. And every time I took a deep breath, it was just this reminder of how hard it was for her to breathe. Like my, our daughter, Anya, um, spent a good deal of time. Well, when I say fantastic, I mean that you had that release. But your daughter, Anya, uh, fantastic that you cried the whole time that you had that release. Mm-hmm. You had carrying that. But your daughter, yeah. Anya, couldn't breathe. Is that what led? Yeah, exactly. Well, that she just needed so much help with her breathing and that it just felt so wrong to be taking deep breaths that she wasn't allowed to take, you know? And I think that, but I didn't realize subconsciously that I had been holding my breaths for months and months, um, both like during her life, you know, not knowing what would happen, but then afterwards, um, with just the grief in my body. Um, And so I think that's what was that first introduction to yoga um, was kind of learning to breathe again. Yeah. And like you say, and you know what? I've curated um, an offer. I used to call them yoga for grief workouts, but I just Mm -hmm. changed to yoga for grief work-ins because we're working from the inside out. You know, this isn't an aerobic class. You know, it's a combination of, of a lot of um, different yoga nidra um, practice, I'm, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. yoga practices, including yoga nidra, restorative, mm-hmm. yin, some gentle breath work, meditation. But the breath work is the first thing that you do, you know, mm-hmm. start because you're right, you realize I have not been breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, how much, um, how long was that? That wasn't your first introduction to yoga, you said, but it was your first introduction to breath work. So how I think it might have been my first, I mean, well, my very, very early first introductions. uh, My family is from India, from South India. And um, I always Mm -hmm. remember my um, uncles, especially for some reason, it was always the men who would get up early in the morning and I'd find them in these like pretzel like positions. Yeah. um, Yeah. You know, doing like handstands and headstands. And um, and I was like, huh. And so those are like early as a child, remembering that when we we had lots of relatives. living with us. So just remembering that, that it was something you just did at home. Um, and yeah. that they started their day that way. Um, and they, and I asked them, what are you doing? And they're like, this is how I say healthy. This is how I stay strong. I was like, Oh, okay. And were um, they healthy so, and strong? Mm-hmm. They were healthy and strong. Yeah, they were. Yeah, absolutely. They were muscular and, uh, not, um, overweight. And so it was interesting yeah. that that somehow was kind of enough. Um, yeah. Wow. So you had an early introduction. You weren't necessarily doing it, but it wasn't for no. you. Uh, yeah, it was kind either. of there. I needed to be, I kind of needed to be reminded that um, that was a part of my growing up, that it was very visible and um, present there. So how, okay, how long did it take you um, to become certified um, as a Medi yoga teacher, were you doing the full time, like you mm-hmm. full time training? Yeah, so it was full time. I started last uh, last August, so just about a year ago, um, and it was full time. And I was so grateful because you know the pandemic, at least in its worst form, was over, so we could do it um, here, you know, in present in a class. So we got to meet. I think a big part of it is meeting each other and hearing how, you know, which environments we worked in and what our backgrounds were. Um, and everybody who I, w- who was in my class are, have a medical background. So physical therapists, nurses, 
Mm -hmm. um, some people working in psychiatry. Um, but if you don't need to have a medical background, but if you don't have a medical background, you just need to take some extra courses, but then you're, then you I can was going to say, you all, speak your, yeah, you all speak your own language. So you were in a room <laughs> that you all have it's your true. own language. Yeah. But I think that we've all kind of observed pain in different ways. Um, you know, or some people were working with um, older folks, you know, in different um, contexts, like having different day programs where older folks could come or people who were grieving as well, people who've lost their life partner um, in due to age, but still like, how do you keep moving? How do you keep, um, how do you move through that grief? So yeah, so a lot of people maybe weren't particularly in medicine, um, but definitely working directly in with healing some type of way. Yes, yeah. yes. And have some kind of medical background, because there is a, a lot of anatomy and physiology, and you have experienced that with as well. Um, and mm -hmm. in any good yoga what happens training. in the body. Yeah. Any good yoga training, you get anatomy. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I um, so I've got basic and I have the opportunity to, to, to take more advanced. Um, but yeah, you can't because you have to know what you're doing so you don't hurt someone. Mm -hmm. um, exactly you know that you don't injure someone you don't want to cause harm with yoga you don't want to cause harm. yeah no, that's you, absolutely you, front and center um yeah you don't keeping wanna, everyone safe and keeping yeah. everyone comfortable and um no so it was full-time from last august and then i was certified at the end of december so we would meet um every three to four weeks but then we had a lot of you know, our own work that we did um, in those four weeks that we had to practice every day. I think something about Medi Yoga and probably yoga in general is just um, you first start out with doing like micro dosages. They talk about it's kind of a medical term, you know, it's medicine talking about what dose of medication do we take and there's a dose of yoga. And so you just start by doing um, 10 to 15 minutes a day. Um, and just kind of learning in yourself, like being the student so that you can become so in your own personal practice. So that meant yes. like building your own personal practice in micro right. dosages of 10 to 15 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because having a personal practice as a yoga instructor is very important. Yeah, um, I think it's that's probably the most important thing if you're to understand what's happening in your own body so you can have a sense of what's happening when you teach. Um and I thought it was hard. It was really hard. I was used to a little bit more hatha and moving and feeling like I was, you know, getting strong. And and um, Medi Yoga is very much about being present, being conscious um, about our presence here and now and breathing. So it's a lot exactly. of sitting still and lying, um, lying down and breathing and different different breathing practices. Isn't there so many breathing practices? I mean, the breath of fire, the breath of life. Isn't it? And I, I, whoa. And some of my teachers are really, you know, alternate nostril breathing, mm -hmm. all of this. And, you know, two, two, eight, seven breath, four, 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 mm -hmm. four, four breath, four, four breath. And so many. And I always try to offer as many different breathing techniques and just remind people if you don't like this, come back to your beautiful, normal, unique breath that you have. Right. Exactly. And maybe try it again. Because the first time mm -hmm. you try one of these breaths, you may be like, oh, it's not resonating. But just mm -hmm. to remind people, you know, uh, um, while I do, yeah, everything is so trauma-informed for me that, you know, I make the suggestions, you make decisions. Mm -hmm. But when it comes exactly. to your breath, I want to offer you different choices. And you're going to find, you may find one that you really love and have it in your toolkit. 
But when mm-hmm. you're feeling stressed or something and you're like in the line at the grocery store, why is this taking so long? Or if somebody cuts you off, if you're driving, you know, where you can just come back to your breath and to the present. And that's mm-hmm. something that I have to work on for myself every day, me- being more yoga off the mat, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, radiating peace and, and, you know, and even with the self-talk to yourself. So how, how, um, so you started in the microdoses, 15, yeah. 10 minutes, and then you moved up to 30 minutes, maybe? I would try. Like how long um, I mean, possible? you would try to move up, you know, but some days it just doesn't work and that's okay too, you know, just depending on life or depending on um, how you're feeling. Um, but yeah, you can do there 10 minutes up until 60 minutes. Um, and then when I've yeah. done it both with patients, just kind of seeing who do I have in the room here, you know, and trying to see, you know, like, am I increasing somebody's anxiety? Are they able to sit through this? Is this something, um, you know, so Medi Yoga really encourages that, that you can just start with, and you can do an entire semester of just doing 15, 30 minute practices. And the focus and can that just would be change on, your life. Yeah. And just showing That's- up that you, you came to this space, um, and you sat down and we were together for 30 minutes, but we maybe only do 10 or 15 minutes of the actual breathing, but some of it's just oh, sitting yeah. together and being together um, and kind so, of stepping outside of your, your everyday stress. Yeah. And your comfort zone too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This was definitely stepping up both my own comfort zone. Um, but I think certainly for, for the women that um, I've taught. So this is, you're teaching this in as part of the primary practice in the Vaud Centralen or in the separate nursing um... no so in the in the Vaud Central and actually at the same time I became a med yoga instructor my colleague um, who's a psychotherapist did a mindfulness course which was also mindfulness um, courses that can be applied to to medical settings um, so we decided that we would do like a hybrid and call it you know medi yoga and mindfulness which is interesting because mindfulness is a central part of medi yoga so it's kind of calling it's kind of like saying chai tea right well, um, it was, it, yeah but uh, but you have to put it in words to you have to say it in ways that people will recognize yeah mm-hmm. this is what i'm attracted to or maybe right. that's what i need and, and have mm-hmm. you found that you have to even explain what mindfulness is to, yeah, it's interesting because what I mean, yeah, a lot of people, I think it's more to my colleagues, but patients are kind of open to, you know, explaining that um, this could be something that can help with your sleep or this could be something that could um, help with anxiety. So we, the first group, we've only done one group now in the spring um, and now we're kind of um, in the midst of reforming or kind of like redesigning it um, because we see there's a lot of insomnia. So we're going to have like a sleep school at um, our primary care center and incorporating yoga into the sleep school. Um, so no, I don't want to say it's the, no, go on. I didn't mean to cut you off, but when you sleep school, that triggered me in a good way because people get horrible sleep. People can't sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a chronic problem in um, yeah. our world today and for different reasons. And um, we have lots and lots of patients that take sleeping pills, um, which we know, are um, like they don't become effective after time. Our bodies get used to them. We tolerate them really well. So you need either higher doses or, I mean, you become very dependent. And um, what our studies show is that we can wean patients off of 
sleeping medication, but also promote them in healthy sleep hygiene. And with that, you can learn to sleep on your own. Um, and it's as effective if you teach people how to sleep, it's as effective as taking um, a prescription strength sleeping pill. Well, one thing I know this science has proven with yoga nidra that it's, it's and especially with PTS survivors is that uh, it can be the only way they get rest, even mm-hmm. if it's not sleep. And mm-hmm. an hour sleep of yoga nidra, an hour of yoga nidra can equal four or more hours of, of sleep. And sometimes that can be the, I know if I'm having a hard time sleeping, I can yoga nidra myself into sleep. But mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about sleep hygiene. What does that even mean? I know it's a good um. That's a very good question. So sleep hygiene is like thinking about the things that interrupt our sleep. So do we um, sleep with our phone next to our bed? You know, are we on our phones in our bed until one o'clock in the morning watching Netflix and then throw our head on the pillow and expect that like sleep will come, you know, so um, because everything, our our devices are just so available to us. So it's so easy to think like, oh, I'm just going to watch a movie. That's what's going to be relaxing. Um, so thinking about what interrupts our sleep, do we nap during the day? I know that's something that's really appealing to, you know, just take a quick power nap. Of course, if you're, uh, you need that sometimes, but if we always nap during the day in the beginning, at least when we do sleep hygiene, we try to wean everyone off of napping and kind of teaching our bodies that the only time we sleep is when we lie on this, on this bed and that you have your bedroom only for sleep that I don't do anything else in there. I don't read. I don't watch movies. I only walk into my bedroom. So it's pretty, it's a, it's a kind of a tough training in the beginning because you don't well, where sleep do you during have the sex? day. What did you say? Where do you have sex if you, you only sleep in the bedroom? Where, what did you say? I'm That's sorry. kind of a joke. That's oh, kind of a bad joke. Have I said, you're allowed to have yeah, sex. Yeah, I said, if you're only sleeping in the bedroom. <laughs> Yes, please continue. That is a healthy and. Um, <laughs> well, I was gonna say maybe you recommend the kitchen table, spice some things yeah. up. Hey, you, you know, know you do <laughs> what feels good for you. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like sleep and sex in the bedroom, nothing. But for sleep specifically, that we really try not to do. Like the bedroom is closed off for anything else. No, like people, some people mean. really go and hang out in their bedrooms. From the time to get home, you know, you're, and I know, and I, and I love that people feel so, you know, this is my place where I feel comfortable, but if you have insomnia or sleep really poorly, then this first, um, you know, we're trying to wean you off of it and starting over. And then maybe you'll be able to go back to hanging out in your bedroom later on. But this like resetting your sleep clock is about, you know, just going cold Turkey. You know, it's well, it also like sounds cigarettes. like taking it back to basics. You know, this yes, is exactly. Bedroom, but your bedroom is for rest, for sleep, right? And yeah, that does, and the first and night so we do that. So, if say if you tell me, Lisa, I sleep. You know, you keep a sleep journal and you bring it to me, and I'm like, okay, Adrian, I see that you sleep only five hours a night. So I'm going to prescribe you that you're not allowed for the first next two weeks. You're not allowed to get into your bed until one o'clock in the morning. And then you have to wake up, you have to get out of bed at seven, like no max. And so you're kind of resetting your sleep cup. You're making yourself extremely Mm -hmm. tired Um, Mm -hmm. and then no napping. Um, So I usually just, you know, have a talk with my patients just to kind of like map out what their sleep looks like. And then they keep a sleep diary um, and tell me what time did they actually get into bed? What time they fell asleep? What time they woke up? Did they take a nap? Um, Caffeine habits. 
um, how they eat during the day. So you kind yeah. of do all of these things, but during our classes, it's going to be both, you know, kind of education about what things promote sleep and what are barriers to sleep, but also learning about yoga and mindfulness and how we can incorporate that as a tool to help us sleep. Yeah. Because I know there's some yoga practices or sequences that you can do before bed to help you. Mm -hmm. And I have, yeah. And I've listened to uh, meditation on an app, like for sleep. And, Mm. you know, I wake up, I'm like, okay, it was like for an hour. And, you know, I don't, you know, I wake up the next morning. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't even know how long it lasted. Right. You know, it it did what it was supposed to do. Let me ask you this back to the meta yoga at the voice and troll. And this is just thrilling to me. Do I, okay, so what my primary care physician would like give me a remiss, like um, prescribe, uh, uh, prescribe it to me, refer me to the Meta well, Yoga? Yeah, so right now we're kind of still doing this as like a pilot project. And so I can't say what other primary care or board central would do. Um, but you can, like a lot of board central have sleep schools or you can, I mean, in Sweden, you don't need a referral to go to a physical therapist. And so you can see which rehab centers offer Medi-Yoga and sign up for Medi-Yoga that way. Um, Aha, uh-huh. I didn't know you didn't need a referral for a physical therapist. So no, no. Know. So that's, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. So And I wouldn't need a referral for a sleep clinic nope, either. No, no, no. Okay. Because I do know I have a friend in can- um, with cancer. I'm mm. going to see her later. Hopefully she's um, in remission that um, was prescribed yoga. That's part mm-hmm. of her protocol her part of her you know everything that they're doing for her mm-hmm. she lives in the yeah. area so I, I'm gonna ask her is it medi yoga I should we should probably think it's probably medi yoga right? I can imagine it is because I know that a lot of a lot of um cancer patients are offered rehab um you know once they are in remission or maybe even during their cancer treatment that's a good question but I know that I have like also personal experience with close friends and family who've done rehab in Sweden and they, you know, they're, they're away for a week and it's paid for. And that yoga has been a part of that, that Medi yoga and mindfulness has been part of their rehabilitation. So it's really, I love, yeah. How the medical community is embracing it because they mm-hmm. do the research, they have stats for the naysayers mm-hmm. or the, just the unsures mm-hmm. or the doubters. Well, yeah, for medicine, you need to have the evidence. And so I think that without that, um, there wouldn't have been this acceptance into because there wasn't anybody who I didn't get any pushback from any of my colleagues, doctors, nurses, um, anyone. So I think that it's become really an accepted practice in medicine these days. Yeah. And I know with the Yoga Nidra, I said, I do a work with Veterans Yoga Project that the it's been proven to help people with PTS. And we don't say mm-hmm. D mm. because we don't think it's a disorder. It's a natural mm-hmm. reaction. To, to the trauma that you've experienced. Yeah, so absolutely. it's clinically proven. It's tons of research on that. It's cl- clinically proven, tons of research, um, anecdotal and scientific. And that's why we get grants. I shouldn't say we, the nonprofit organization gets the grants mm-hmm. to, to fund this because veterans, um, military family, first responders and caregivers can take the classes for free. Mm-hmm. And they, they, um, pay the teachers, but they want to have these tools accessible and spread. I really wish, and I have a colleague who teaches in one of the, um, I don't want to say elite, but you know, in some of these public schools in the States, they have um, 
oh, how do I say advanced curriculum or, mm-hmm. um, and she teaches in the number one school in her state. And she says, um, she teaches mindfulness and I forget what it is, but basic mindfulness and yoga to these high school students. Mm, and I think it's so fantastic. Important. Yeah. Isn't it? I so wish it could be in every, from elementary up that that's just part Absolutely. of your physical training, you know, your physical education classes. If we learn mindfulness as, as children, can you imagine? No, it would be it would be phenomenal because kids need this. Our worlds are so stressful. They have, you know, more stress. They're exposed to, you know, they have their devices. They're exposed to so much more um, of what's happening in the world than we ever were if we didn't pick up a newspaper when we were, you know, nine years old. So exactly. (laughs) So it's so important that um, they get those tools. Now, have you incorporated any mindfulness practices with your family as a whole? Oh, no, you, you just called me out. <laughs> yeah, so. Because <laughs> I, I can't have, get my husband to do yoga. If I could get these right kids now. to do yoga with me. No, they, I mean, I have with my husband, my, my um, partner, my husband has been very open and has like started his own mindfulness practice, um, you know, because they show that mindfulness you know, for stress management, but also like increasing your creativity because you let your mind rest, right? Um, you're not going at a thousand miles an hour all the time. Um, my kids were very interested when they were younger. They would join me on the yoga mat and want to, um, and that was when I did a little bit more physical yoga. So it was fun for them to, you know, be in downward facing dog or, Absolutely. Um, yeah. but um, now it's a little bit that, thank you for that reminder. I'm going to, I'm going to make another effort to try to bring them onto the well, yoga mat. I just wonder because, you know, I can't get my partner to get on the yoga mat, but I know we did, we, you know, sometimes when we have these spa weekends um, mm. and you go into the, the, the meditation room or the light therapy room and you're laying there, like, he'll put the headphones on just like mm. everyone else. And I look at him and his face is relaxed and soft. And yeah. I just imagine where his mind is. So it's not like, he doesn't experience it. And I remember at work, they had some team building when he was doing yoga. But, mm-hmm. you know, so my thing is like, you don't want to be pushy. He'll come in there when I'm teaching a yoga class and see what I'm doing. And so, you know, you never know. Maybe one day I'm going to catch him on my mat when I'm not right. doesn't think I'm looking, <laughs> you know, in a forward fold or something. But I can't say, I can say that growing up in my household um, with my parents, the mindfulness that they taught us was praying. Mm, and that's a form absolutely. of meditation absolutely you know, walking can be a form of meditation mm-hmm. you know spending time in nature mm-hmm. can be a form of meditation so people don't necessarily have to think you have to sit cross-legged you know and uh be in a dark room to to meditate there's lots of ways to meditate um and I just say that because I think if people did more of that when people go out in nature they're like oh this was so nice you know if you mm-hmm. put your feet in the grass so just doing that could be meditation for five minutes. Right. So I don't want to make it. Listen, we've talked so much. I know you promised uh, me a, a meditation. How's your time? Do you still have time to do that? Yes, absolutely. Us? I have time for um, just a short. I thought we could just do a short Medi Yoga practice just to Fabulous. introduce like the concept and how short the dosaging is and um, hopefully to feel that, wow, even that few minutes um, can make me feel better. So that would be fantastic. I'm hoping that's the effect that'll have. Well, here's the thing. It's um, when you, I tell people like the first time you do yoga nature or something, you may not like it. You may not get it. Mm -hmm. It's okay. 
don't feel bad if you know mm-hmm. that's an important point yeah definitely yeah so if anyone listening to this you know the first just listen to it again or a third time because sometimes we're resistant to new things anyway and mm-hmm. we just don't understand what we're supposed to be doing but how would we set ourselves up for this first dosage like should I be yes. laying down on the bed? No, so or... you can either you can choose what feels comfortable for you if you want to sit in a chair, if that's like okay. your most comfortable. Some people have a really hard time getting on the floor. I get that. Yeah. You know, all yeah. of our bodies are we have different abilities and that's fine. There's nothing that's better yeah. or worse. You should just right. sit in a way that feels really comfortable for you. But to sit in a chair, um, or on the floor, if you're seated in a chair, maybe try to sit towards the front of the seat, um, with both of your feet planted like firmly onto the floor that you really feel that floor underneath you um, okay. and try to sit with like a neutral um, straight spine um, okay. with their shoulders relaxed. And if you're sitting on the floor, um, you can sit in a cross-legged position if that feels good. Um, sit with maybe a pillow underneath you, a blanket. If you have a meditation pillow, whatever feels good um, in a cross-legged position and have your knees kind of going downwards um, so that your hips um, stretch a little bit. Yeah, I always sit up on a block. So my yeah, knees, exactly. My hips it feels good to have knees. come yeah. up a little bit. Um, yeah, and you can probably describe that. But I'm so used to teaching where people can see me. Um, I can just add that something that was part really important to me was um, we have lots of folks in Rinkeby that have like myself have Swedish as their second language or third language or sixth language and um, making it so that that wouldn't be a barrier, that you didn't have to speak Swedish to participate. Um, oh, yeah. And I didn't want to have, I didn't want translators or interpreters in the room um, so that you could just follow, um, that you don't talk a lot during yoga, um, Medi Yoga, but it's just about the breathing and so that they could just kind of follow me if, even if they didn't understand um, like cues or um, so I was, thought I would just add that. So this is a little bit more challenging since um, everyone can't see me, but hopefully you'll be able to follow follow along. Uh, we'll be able to follow along because you'll tell us what we need to do. And um, <laughs> so we're set up. We're either um, maybe a, a favorite meditation bean mm-hmm. bag or a pillow or something that you like to use. Maybe mm-hmm. this could be the first time and you can make this your favorite little pillow. Maybe you're right. seated in a chair with your feet firmly planted so you feel that support mm-hmm. with a with a neutral spine, your shoulders are relaxed. Um, if you're on the floor, maybe you're cross-legged sitting up. I like to sit up on a block so it raises my hips above my mm-hmm. knees. Um, just you want to feel comfortable and you want to feel relaxed and you want to be in a place where you won't be disturbed for at least 10 10, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, right? I mean, That's right. that doesn't always happen, but if you can take right, this time exactly. for yours, maybe lock yourself in the bathroom if you've got little kids or you know just (laughs) try to find just 10 15 minutes that you can carve out for yourself if that sounds hard Mm -hmm. do the hard thing for yourself and we're going to get treated to a little micro dose of my yoga from lisa i'm so excited so i'm going to put myself on mute and turn it over to you thank you so much Okay, you're welcome. And thank you for uh, thank you for this beautiful conversation. Um, so I hope that everyone is um, seated comfortably in the, either a chair or on the floor with a straight back. Close your eyes to center yourself. There might be noises around you. Most likely there is. 
Just acknowledge it. Try not to pay attention to it. Bring your hands together at your chest. Close your eyes. Let's take a deep breath in through our nose, slowly together. And a deep breath out through our nose. As you can see, I also have noise in the background here. Just let it pass. Um, we're going to start this uh, moment together by tuning in. And we'll tune in by saying OM three times, if that feels comfortable for you. Um, OM isn't a religious word, I like to say, but OM is um, the sound of the universe. It's the hum of the universe. So we'll start together by taking a deep breath in, and we'll say, sing OM on the exhale. Breathe in. Oh. Breathe in. Breathe in. Take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. Let your shoulders relax. Keep your eyes closed. Take a moment to focus inward. And how did that tuning in affect you physically, mentally, and emotionally? Continue to breathe in and out through your nose. Relax. Now, if you can, and we're going to lie down. So find a place that feels comfortable. It can be a yoga mat. It can be your couch, your bed, for your outdoors. Just lie down where you can feel comfortable for a few moments. Lie down on your back with your palms facing upwards, if that feels okay for you. Let your legs be a little bit apart. Let your feet fall to the side. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and out through the nose. We're going to do something called a body scan. Continue to breathe in and out through your nose. Relax, feel your body grow heavy against your mat. Feel that you're well supported by the earth. 
and just take notice of how you're breathing. You don't need to control it. Just notice how you're breathing. Place your focus on your feet. Without any judgment, how do your feet feel right now? Move your focus to your calves, your knees, your thighs. Feel your legs. Feel how they feel against your mat. Heavy. Move your attention to your hips, your glutes, to your lower back. Move your attention slowly up your spine, one vertebrae at a time. Feel each vertebrae and then feel how your entire spine rests heavily against your mat. Feel your whole back relax. Move up to your chest. How does your chest feel right now? Move to your lower arms, your wrists, your hands. Move up to your upper arms and your shoulders. Feel the weight of your arms resting against your support. Travel up to your neck, the back of your head, to the top of your head. Move down to your forehead, your eyes closed, your jaw relaxed. Feel how your entire head rests against the earth. Now place your attention on your entire body, how it rests relaxed against the mat. Continue to relax. Slowly return back to the room. Move your fingers and toes. Take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your nose. Feel inwards. How has this exercise affected you physically, mentally, and emotionally? Thank you.
When you feel ready, you can roll over onto your right side and slowly push yourself up to seated position. Sit in a way that feels comfortable for you with your eyes closed with a straight spine. We'll now tune out this past together by singing Om together three times. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Om. Breathe in. Om. Breathe in. Take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your nose. Stay seated and still for a moment. Focus inwards. Reflect on how you feel right now. Thank you so much for giving uh, Medi Yoga a try, this short pass. Oh, wow. <clears throat> I was almost asleep. See? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it has that effect on so me, too. Relaxed. Yeah, I was yawning. My eyes were watering. I feel relaxed. And then at the end, I had to put something over me. I felt cool, which lets mm -hmm. me know that I'm going into relaxation. Mm -hmm. oh, that's a good um, that's a good idea is to maybe to have something close by a blanket or a sweatshirt mm -hmm. or something to pull over you because when we do start to relax our our body doesn't focus on uh, keeping up our body temperature we start to cool down is that why because that's how i know yeah thank yeah. you that was absolutely beautiful thank you so oh, much this is a, a short but it, it's i think it's such a nice reminder that we just need um a little bit, and it's the hardest and the easiest thing to do is to uh, sit and breathe for a moment. It is. Uh, that's beautifully said. And this was a beautiful conversation. I'm grateful. Rinkaby is grateful and lucky to have you. I'm grateful oh, that, thank you. that you are making meta yoga accessible and incorporated into your treatment, your care for your patients. Again, love your boss. Shout out to your boss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm so lucky, very lucky to um, have uh, that we have found her. Yeah. And then um, that she's given us this opportunity to um, incorporate yoga into medicine. Yes, because it's going to have such a positive impact on so many people. I'm sure it already is. 
I want to thank you for sharing your story with me and with us in this practice. I'm just grateful. Grateful. Thank you so I much. I am too. Lisa. Thank you, Adrian. You are welcome. Thank you so much for listening to Yoga Saved Me podcast. Make sure to rate and follow us everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify.